This is episode 17 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today, we're looking at articles that deal with the difference between urban and rural prepping, things I look for when choosing a good bug out location or homestead, and 10 things you can do when you're just too busy to prep. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily aggregator of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Let's go ahead and get started. Our first article comes to us from Survivalist Prepper. Survivalist Prepper and Dale and Lisa over there, they, uh, they have a website, but they also have a podcast. And so this is coming off of their podcast, uh, I believe, 192, SPP 192. And the title again is The Difference Between Urban and Rural Prepping. For most preppers, their dream scenario would include something like a doomsday castle or a massive underground living facility. Unfortunately, reality always seems to get in the way and we must figure out an alternative. So what is the difference between urban and rural prepping? While it's true, your chances of survival increase the further away from people you are, but that's not an option for most people. In fact, some people have no desire to head out to the middle of nowhere. With that being said, this article is not about which is better, but rather what the differences between rural and urban prepping are. There is a lot more that goes into moving to a rural area than buying some property and packing the U-Haul truck. There is quite a bit of freedom that comes with living in a rural area, but there is also quite a bit of responsibility. In an urban area, everything is within walking distance and readily available. In a rural area, you need to plan ahead or figure out alternatives. In today's show, we talked about how, you, how your prepping will be different depending on where you live. An urban area will require different supplies and plans than rural prepping, and suburban area is a little bit of each. Picking the right supplies. The supplies you need will be different depending on where you live. In an urban environment, you might need something like the Ontario SPAC tool or pry bar or lock picking set. In a rural environment, bushcraft skills, storing fuel, and larger amounts of food and water will be a priority. In a suburban environment, you will have the best and worst of both worlds because you sit right between urban and rural and have more storage space. Both situations could apply to you. Here's a good video that goes over the differences in prepping supplies for urban and rural. Urban versus Rural Preparedness This list is some of the important differences when it comes to urban and rural prepping. Keep in mind, a suburban area could require you to think about all these different areas of preparedness. Your living situation, family size, and location will dictate what you need to become better prepared. Urban Most people choose to live in a near the city because you are close to work and closer to infrastructure. Finances also play a big role. Rural. Living out in the boonies takes a commitment because everything is far away. The trade-off is freedom and less people. Urban. In or near the city, events like martial law and civil unrest are more immediate. You will need to be on high alert and react quickly. Rural. In an urban area, civil unrest might not be as immediate, although unlikely the golden horde might be headed your way. Urban. In high population areas, there are more people. More people, more potential problems. It would be easy to become caught in the middle of something you never saw coming. Rural. While there are less people and less potential problems, you might be on your own. 
This could be a good or bad thing depending on the situation. Urban. In the city, people are more dependent on infrastructure. While this is okay now, in an SHTF event, there will be more competition and lawlessness. Rural. In a rural area and some suburbs, there is less infrastructure to utilize. Planning ahead and storing supplies is critical for survival. Urban. Because there are more people, news will travel faster by word of mouth. Be careful about what is really news and what is rumor. Rural. In a rural area, you might only have a handful of neighbors, and they could be miles apart. The news you do get is more likely to be true, though. Urban. With the more people there are in an area, there is an increased risk of disease. This is especially true in a large-scale disaster. Rural. The downside of living in a rural area is there might be less medical help available, and help is further away. Urban. With limited space, storing preparedness supplies is much harder. This requires thinking outside the box a little bit. Rural. If you live in the middle of nowhere, you will have more room to store supplies, but you also have more property to protect. Urban. In high population areas, bugging out should be a priority. Getting away from people and potential problems could be the difference between life and death. Rural. If you live in the rural area, you are already bugged out, so bugging in should be a priority especially if you work or travel in or to the city. Urban. In an urban area, clean drinking water could be hard to find. Drinking from a city river could be deadly, but there are ways to find clean water in the city. Rural. In a rural environment, you will need to depend more on Mother Nature's resources and less on man-made resources. This is just a few of the differences when it comes to rural and urban prepping. Your situation will dictate which of these apply to you and how you should prepare. This is not to say that people in an urban area don't need to worry about martial law. It just means we need to prioritize the threats we might face. All right, so like always, you want to go visit the, the website because there's a lot of links, and he, you know, he links to a bunch of different things there. When I was reading this the first time around, I really was thinking about uh, Fernando Aguirre's uh, two books, Surviving the Economic Collapse and Bugging Out and Relocating. If you haven't read those uh, those books, if you don't have those, those are very very important books. They're uh, highly rated on Amazon. The Surviving the Economic Collapse has been around. That book has been around for a while now, but it's it's a really good read. And then Bugging Out and Relocating when staying put is not an option. Uh, Fernando has uh, some you know some good advice there. Um, he lived in Argentina. They eventually made it out to Ireland and I believe now he's in Spain uh, from the last time I remember and what I've heard and so he has some experience not only uh, living in Argentina and all the craziness that's gone on there and why there's some differences I mean for 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 example so let me let me just say this one of the things we we always talk about being out in the country or being out in um, the rural areas if it is a situation where we're just in hard economic times, that might not be the best because people from the from the city are going out to the rural areas. And if you don't have a, a big community, you don't have security, those kinds of things, you're like a farmer. Those people are getting beat up. They're getting uh, uh, robbed. Uh, things are getting stolen. And there's really nothing they can do about it, right? Um, on the other the other side of that, he says that when the help comes, help is going to come to the populated area. So it's going to come to the cities. Now that is only 
in effect, I guess, if things are still in place, if we're in a collapse scenario, all that gets thrown out the, the, the door, right? And so something to, to really consider there, you know, our plan is always to, we live in the suburbs of, of Houston, our plan is always to go to my parents' place out in, in the country in East Texas. And um, I totally understand that there is a big, big possibility that that will not be possible depending on what is happening all around us. I mean, even if you're looking at different routes and stuff to get there, um, there's always things that can happen. So my, I'm always aware. I'm always trying to be aware. I'm always up to date on what's going on. And, and that's just the kind of the way I live. Um, but I also understand that it might be very possible for us not to, not to be able to go there. Um, one of the things he talks about being out in the urban, uh, or I'm sorry, in the rural areas is that if you have a medical emergency, you know, people die because they are an hour away from, from, uh, from a hospital. And just let's say if you're a, a man and a woman and you're living out in a rural area and, uh, you know, the husband goes down and the wife can't pick him up to get him into a car to go, she's calling 911 and, you know, how far, how long it takes to get out there, you know, and then how long it takes to get them back uh, after that. So a lot of things to consider there. Definitely suburban areas are, are something to consider as well. There's, that could be a whole different podcast and topic there for, uh, for Dell and Lisa. So go check that out at Survivalist Prepper. We're moving right along to American Preppers Online. This is an article by Sarge. Uh, things I look for when choosing a good bug out location or homestead. So again, going back to that bug out location. Hey, I just I forgot. I will link to uh, Fernando's books on the on episode 17, and uh, I'll just link them there so you can go check them out and see if you want to get them on Amazon. But I do recommend those. Uh, one of the other things, just real quick before I start on this next one, is he has he has a lot of experience not only bugging out but bugging out to another country, and so he goes into that in great detail. In, uh, in that second book, Bugging Out and Relocating. Okay, so again, sorry, um, chasing rabbit trails over here. American Preppers Online, this uh, article is called Things I Look For When Choosing a Good Buckout Location or Homestead. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. In today's post, we're going to look at just what it takes to locate and construct a viable bugout location. We all know the basics, but let's take a closer look, shall we? This is the subject of today's post, so grab a cup of coffee, my friend, and have a seat while we visit. I will be retiring from the university in 328 days. Well, I bet he is counting down those days, right? 328 days, at which time I plan to move to Idaho and purchase a piece of land in which I consider to be the safe zone. This got me to thinking about just what you need to look for when buying a piece of land and setting up a BOL or bug out location. Most of us are aware of the basics, like a good reliable water source and no major roads nearby, but what else will we need to outlast whatever disaster befalls us? There may even be a few things you might not have thought of as well. Let's start with what I will be looking for when I get to Idaho. Now, my children and grandchildren live in the Boise area of the state. As for me, I just really don't like large cities and would prefer to be away from them as far as possible and yet still be able to visit my family as much as possible. Next, I really want a lot of trees on my property for shade and to serve as a windbreak. Those of you who live in Idaho will know just what I'm talking about. The next thing I want is hilly ground. Why on earth would anyone want hilly ground on their piece of land, you might wonder. It's because it gives you the opportunity to create much better defenses that you will need. The thing about flat land is that you can see people coming, but they can see you as well. 
If the ground is hilly, then you can place your defenses in places where you can see them, and yet they cannot see you. You can use the hills to hide your structure from prying eyes, and that is a really good thing when you're trying to hide from people. That's good concealment. That's good concealment in case you need to fight and in the event of SHTF, which is pretty much a given. Another advantage of a hilly property is the ability to build your home inside of one of the hills. The ground will insulate it and help keep it a constant temperature year-round and with no air conditioning, that will be a huge plus. Trees provide shade and in some cases even medicine or food. Trees are always good to have. If the ground is all hilly, then I can do terrace garden, gardening like the Aztec Indians did. It works well and allows you to produce a lot of food in a small area. I would like to have a nice spring-fed area on it as well, preferably a warm spring. You could always cool and filter it for drinking, and you could also use it to heat your home in the winter as well as providing warm water for bathing year-round. Next thing would be to only be able to access it using two dirt roads on each end of the property. This way you always have an escape route if you need to leave without being seen. Personally, I would love to be out away from any road at all, but that is just not practical. Should something happen, I would need to get to the nearest small town for supplies to trade any excess items that I may have at a farmer's market or bartering group. The grounds will need to be good organic earth, preferably with a little volcanic ash in it to make it richer for better growing. I can always supplement the ground with organic fertilizer such as compost to make it richer if needed. If you're planning on raising chickens and goats like I am, the hilly area will allow you to build pens where the water will drain away rather than stand. Animals just like us need a warm, dry place to sleep and live. Now, will I ever find such a place with everything I want and can afford? I doubt it, but I can always dream. Well, that's it for today, and I hope you enjoyed today's post. Until next time, stay safe, stay strong, and stay prepared. God bless America. Sarge. <laughs> All right, Sarge. So, um... You know, a lot of people. I, I know that there's people out there who are who are preparing and they're looking for places out there to bug out, and uh, they're looking for homestead, homes or or homestead property. I just there's a person that I, I recently worked with who hit me up on Facebook to let me know that they have a place that they're looking at. So a lot of things to consider. Don't don't get so. Um, don't get the fever, <laughs> the the property fever, so bad that you don't consider all the things that are out there. There's a lot of good articles and podcasts that have been done. I know Jack Spirko did some good some good uh, podcast on on looking for property like this uh, when he was looking for his property when he moved back uh, to Texas. And um, there's you know I know uh, James Rawls over at Survival Blog has has some articles over there as well that you can search for in what to look for when you're looking for a, a retreat or a homestead situation. But just take your time and make sure you find the right place. Um, you just don't want to just jump into it without looking at everything. There's a lot of things to consider. So it's always best to maybe sit down and write, you know, make a list of everything that would be just kind of like Sarge did. All the things that were are uh, pie in the sky type things and kind of go from there and work from there. And it's really important when you are looking for a place out in the country to find a realtor who uh, understands where you're going. From. I mean, you know, you don't. You know, you don't want to say, hey, I'm a doomsday prepper type thing, whatever, right? But you want to be able to let them know, I'm looking for a place that has this, that has this, that has this. And I don't want to go look at other things they don't have. They're just going to waste my time. 
So good article, a lot of things to consider. I know people are out there thinking about um, property to buy. All right, next one comes to us from The Organic Prepper, and Daisy over there has uh, an article entitled 10 Things You Can Do When You're Just Too Busy to Prep. All right, so um, here we go. Let's start reading this one. We all try to seek balance in our lives, but there are times when things just get a little bit out of control. Maybe you have a new baby. Maybe there is something major going on at work. You could have a sick family member, a big home project going on. The kids are involved in something that requires lots of driving on your part, or maybe you're injured. The point is, in all of our lives, sometimes a situation arises during which we're too busy to prep in the way we usually do. When this happens, it can add to an already elevated stress level. You know you should be doing more to be prepared, but there simply aren't enough hours in the day to do the things you want to do. Sometimes it it isn't even that you're too busy. Sometimes your motivation just takes a beating because there are so many negatives and stressful things going on in the world. When this happens, you just don't feel like actively focusing on preparedness all the time. During times like these, the best thing you can do is focus on fitting in small tasks when you can. Try to do one small thing per day to keep your prepper mojo going. And most of all, try not to worry about the things that you aren't doing. You'll get there. I have faith in you. So what to do when you're too busy to prep? 1. Carry a book with you at all times. A Kindle e-reader device might be handier in this situation than a physical copy. And if you are a member of Amazon Prime, you can often borrow books for free. Take those moments when you're sitting in the car waiting to pick up the kids from an activity, when you are on a break at work, or when you are normally when you normally be watching a show on TV and learn something, anything that will make you more prepared. Take those, uh, and you, of course, you could be listening to the Prepper Website podcast. All right, uh, number two, <laughs> take those little moments to work on skills. In those same short breaks, as I mentioned above, work on the skills that would be handy post-disaster. Take your knitting with you or do some kind of small portable task. And add a little to your stockpile each week. Hopefully, before life got crazy, you had a good handle on the weak points in your stockpile. So, if you know that you need fruits and vegetables, for example, pick up some shelf-stable items at the store during your regular shopping trip each week. If you need dry milk, quickly order a high-quality hormone-free milk online. If you need meat, buy some canned fish at the store or order some freeze-dried beef crumbles. Make one purchase each week and you'll still be increasing your stockpile. Number four, make your downtime count. Keep your prepper mindset sharp by using it often. If you are taking a couple of hours to sit down with the family and watch a movie, watch something that will let you think through a scenario. Here's a list of survival-themed movies. Grab some popcorn. Number five, family time on the weekend can be used for prepping activities. Make family time something active. If you're spending some time together on the weekend, go for a hike, spend some time brushing up on your nature skills, and work on your fitness. Number six, teach your kids some skills. Obviously, no matter how busy we are, we still want to spend time with our kids. Spend a summer evening making homemade jam with your kids. It might take a little bit longer, but they'll be very proud of their jam, and you'll get some food preservation done at the same time. You can get some recipes in the, prepare, in the Prepper's Canning Guide. Try to make it fun instead of one of those things you have to do. Number seven, organize things into kits. If you have a little time, organize the things you already have into kits. I like to use plastic organizers of varying sizes. Not only will this help you to quickly be ready for an emergency, it will help you to see what you're missing so that you can order it online. 
Some examples of kits might be cold remedies, power outage, contagious illnesses, allergies, bug out bags, important paperwork, evacuation kits, you get the idea. Shop online. When you're super busy, you don't always have time to trek to the store to shop for your preparedness gear and supplies. If you knew what you need, shop online and have the stuff delivered right to your door. Amazon really does have almost anything you might need, from camping gear to books to emergency supplies. And uh, just side note, I would add to food too. So you could do the Amazon food pantry and you can get things on a schedule. If you wanted toilet paper on a schedule, you could get it get it sent to you. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot there. There's also, um, I'm just doing a little side note here, uh, some of the, uh, the big box stores like uh, Walmart, um, Sam's also I think does it. Um, and some of the other ones do it as well, depending on where your, your location is. Um, you can call it in. You can call in an order. You can order it online, and they will bring it to you. So there's the, a drive-through. You come, and you pay. And I mean, I guess that's how it works. I haven't used it. Someone did say that they, uh, someone on my Facebook said that they did use it, and it was very convenient, and that, that's pretty much all they're doing from now on because it's just ready for you. So uh, that's, that's something there to maybe help out. All right, number nine, buy food in buckets. If you're short on time, you don't want to have to transfer everything to Mylar bags and buckets on your own. Order some emergency buckets and all you have to do is put them away with their seal intact. Each bucket contains a 30-day supply of basic basics for one person. Although we like to supplement with extra fruits and vegetables when using these goods, this is a great way to vastly increase your emergency food supply without spending much time to do it. Number 10. Practice using your emergency food. The things about emergency food is that it should be fairly fast and easy to fix. What better opportunity to test out some of your stockpile ingredients than to use them for a speedy meal when you're short on time. Make some meals combining freeze-dried food from your buckets with canned food from your pantry. See what kind of delicious combinations you can come up with. This will also give you a chance to see if you need to pick up some extra spices or other shelf-stable ingredients to make the meals more palatable or filling. Time-saving bonus. This is a great way to skip the weekly trip to the store. Have you ever been too busy to prep? Have you ever run into a period of time when you were just too busy to prep the way you wanted to? What were some quick things that you found the time for? How do you stay motivated when life gets crazy? Share your stories and suggestions in the comments below. So there are, uh, there are a couple of comments there. Um, I guess the, the, the thing to really remember here is that when preparedness is a way of life, Right when you're, and I'm not talking about coming from a, a point of fear. Uh, when I read, or <laughs> even still today, when I read, um, you know, fictional novels, if I'm doing a, a review or I'm listening to one, uh, if I, if you know, like one second after those kinds of things, uh, when the lights go out, whatever, all those books. When you walk into the stores, like you're you're not thinking about things that you need to buy. You're thinking about things like, man, what would I want if there was an EMP or if there was a disaster? But the thing is, you don't want to walk in that kind of fear. Uh, that's disabling, and you don't you just you don't want to be there. What you want is you want to just live that preparedness lifestyle where uh, and it's not even just a preparedness lifestyle you know I have a I have an email from someone who's doing an article and they asked me a couple of questions and and they're they're talking about uh, prepping from a from a spiritual point of view from a Christian point of view and uh, they're asking well, you know is it is it are Christians do they not have faith if they're prepping and I'm you know I'm gonna be able to answer that so just no it's 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 a way of lifestyle it's not like you're just stocking up 
all kinds of stuff and you just you know if you're coming at it that way you're gonna you're gonna really get into yourself into a lot of trouble because you're gonna start storing up items and you're gonna start storing up gear and you're gonna have so many things you're not gonna have a plan we've talked about that just recently about having a plan so you need to have that plan so make make preparedness uh some you know do some things build that preparedness lifestyle that self-reliant lifestyle into what you're already doing and then it doesn't seem like that big of a chore it's not like i've got life to do and then i've got prepping to do it's like it's all it's all put together right so anyway that's uh that's it for episode 17 hey guys remember i have uh i appreciate all the the sharing out i want to send out uh, a shout to survival sullivan for uh sending out um or giving us a shout out on his facebook page and uh, I know that there's a lot of other ones, uh, a lot of other people that are doing it out there, a lot of individuals that are doing it. I really appreciate that. I was on Facebook Live yesterday when I was, if you go to episode 16, uh, so yesterday's episode, I was trying out Facebook Live. So I'm doing Facebook Live, looking at the laptop while I'm reading, but it's also recording me and I'm, I'm shooting out the Facebook Live and uh just just to see if i could do it and i've never done it before but uh, there were some people that were watching it and got a little bit of feedback and people shared that out and again like i i appreciate that so you can go to the the prepper website facebook page or you can even go to episode 16 so i embedded it in there and uh there's a way to down i've i realize there's a way to download your facebook live video so uh, i don't know man there's some things that i could possibly be doing there in the future but i appreciate Every, everybody who's sharing it out, there's, we made it easy for you to share out episodes in the website, in the podcast on uh, the Prepper website, podcast.com. So really appreciate that. And uh, if you get a chance, come by the website, you know, drop me a line or hit me up on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. I always love to hear from y'all and, and just to see how y'all are doing and how y'all are accessing the, the podcast. I just really appreciate that. Again, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, actually, I am looking forward to tomorrow. I've got something special for you guys. We'll be back tomorrow with other great articles to share. Uh, if you are just wanting some more preparedness information, don't forget to hit PrepperWebsite.com. We have a ton of preparedness information there. We post daily. All right. So until next time, until tomorrow, my friends, stay prepped and aware. Peace.